0: Going back to the pre-pandemic normal, don't rush to do that. This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth. Exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and construction industry insights. Now your host, John Barsness.
1: Welcome everybody as we kick off another episode of From Paint to Purpose. I am John Barsness stepping in for Yahira this week as a, the host uh, of this show uh, and I'm excited to have a uh, person that I got to know earlier this year uh as he reach, as we work together uh, to help one of our transitioning employees uh, into a new role. Uh, Graham Riley has joined us as our guest today and we're going to talk uh, all things, Uh, hiring and the phenomenon that's kind of hit in 2021 the the great resignation so uh, Graham welcome to to our podcast Uh, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about who you are what you do and and we will launch right in
0: sure well thank you very much John and uh, you know for having me on the uh, today's podcast so Graham Riley um, I'm uh, the founder of a company called Career Toolbox as you said we uh, we do help people that are in transition and uh, I started that uh, back in 2012 uh, as a my full-time position but I actually started with careers uh, back when the dot-com bubble burst I'd um, I was running a a 450 person IT consulting practice here in the Twin Cities and as as part of the leadership responsibility when it came to a reduction in force I unfortunately had to let some people go as part of my role. And that didn't sit well with me. And so uh, I started volunteering my time at Job groups, church groups, job transition groups, networking groups, talking about resumes and profile, uh, resumes and cover letters and interviewing. And then in 2004, when LinkedIn came on the scene, I was an early adopter and I started blending in how LinkedIn, as well as your resume and cover letter, are all essentially your marketing materials that you, as the CEO of your services, then get to choose as to this is how I want to present myself to. to the labor market. So from 2002 to 2012, I spent 10 years, well, I had a full-time job, volunteering my time. So I've literally given hundreds of presentations about jobs and careers to thousands of people uh, over those years.
1: That's fantastic, and uh, you know, the heart for transitioning out is always difficult for people mm-hmm. uh employers that do it well actually leave people at least feeling uh better about Oops. a difficult situation but i think it's also so important to have people like you who are helping those mm-hmm. in transition uh mm-hmm. find the their way in a always changing labor market right especially for those who have been uh fortunate to be working either for one company for a long period of time or mm-hmm. uh, have not had to go out and search for a job in a long period of time, right. it can be daunting because the mm-hmm. the way in which people get hired today yeah. is so different than it was even 10 years ago. It was, um, yeah. You know, and, I, and so I know that we appreciated what you did for our organization and helping mm-hmm. us with a person that had been with us for a long time. Right. Uh, Try to navigate that, and and mm-hmm. uh, pleased to to continue to stay in contact with them and, and doing well yeah. uh, in that process. And I know your work with them was really really helpful. So Lovely. we appreciated that, uh, and I appreciate Thank what you. you do for uh, those thousands and thousands of people that are mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. looking for work, whether they work directly with you or seeing the things that you do online right. to uh, to give people opportunities to to enhance their brand, if you mm-hmm. will.
0: You raised a really good point there about what sort of Feeling, do I want the exited employer, uh, employee to have about the company? And when people are treated respectfully, when they're supported, when they're encouraged, um, I think that that is, it speaks volumes to the sort of organization and leadership team inside of uh, that company. Because when it goes badly, People are not scared today to hit social media and just lay out what what has gone on and air the dirty laundry, which then obviously has that blowback effect of damaging the organization's uh, reputation.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I've always, you know, I've been on that on both sides of it. I've had Mm -hmm. to do mass layoffs as as part of a a leadership team. I've Mm -hmm. also been in the position of having to uh, transition out of organizations because of downturns or changes in leadership and all those things. And so Mm -hmm. I think uh, I think you you. If you don't have the empathy for what that has been like for yourself and for right. your family, mm-hmm. um, it, it is hard and it's not just about a number. It's not just about trying to do something for your business's bottom line, right. which in many cases is required to, mm-hmm. to keep the business moving. However, uh, there are faces and there are people and there are families that, yeah. uh, that are impacted by it. And I think you have to. Uh, have a, a sense of, of, of heart for that mm-hmm. uh, because you never know when it's going to boomerang either and, and somebody mm-hmm. may uh, gain other experiences and then hit the market again and you want them to uh, consider you again, or mm-hmm. to, uh, continue to be an advocate for you as, they, as their network expands. So,
0: Absolutely. um,
1: and speaking of that, uh, this, this phenomenon that I call it, I guess, uh, cause I don't know any other way to really describe it. Right. What has hit us, uh, between with a lot of different factors is what they're calling the great resignation that right. is, um, hitting a lot of different industries today. From your perspective, what, is it, what have you heard uh, about what they're terming that? And, sure. uh, and and let's kind of kick that conversation off about what that actually is for mm. those that mm-hmm. may not have heard that term sure. and where it's impacting uh, across the country.
0: Sure. So uh, the term was coined by uh, Professor Anthony Colts. And at the start of Q2 in April, there was an unprecedented amount of resignations, just over 4 million, which is the largest number of resignations uh, in a month uh, since they've been keeping uh, records. And so with all of these people uh, resigning, Um, That caused the, uh, that begged the question, what is causing it? And so Professor Colts led that um, uh, study and then just came up with the term, uh, the Great Resignation, just for the sheer volume of people in that specific, specific month.
1: It's interesting that the timing of that happened just as things were opening back up in, in the United States in particular, right. uh, coming out of a year of, of the, the COVID-19 right. pandemic. Right. Um, why do you think it was, uh, it wasn't any coincidence, I don't think, that it no. happened during that time frame. What do you <clears> think, <throat> think precipitated this? Because ultimately what, the, what we're talking about are people who resigned their positions and many of whom didn't have another position that they were necessarily... Right transitioning to they simply were saying i've had enough with this uh type of of work or i'm finally just saying Mm -hmm. i'm being recalled because i was on furlough and i'm not going back Mm -hmm. um what do you think precipitated some what are some of the factors that precipitated that
0: sure um i think some of the more visible factors was uh, we as a nation how did we initially respond to the covid pandemic and that we were getting some mixed signals as to, is this real? Is this going to be something that's going to go away in a few months? And then, well, by uh, April, May uh, 2020, there's this realization that this this really isn't going to go away. And what is our response? And one of the first things that um, all of the, uh, the experts say is, well, let's not be congregating in areas and propagating... Um, uh, the virus. And so that had an immediate effect then on the uh, hospitality, the entertainment, the restaurant uh, business. And so if you don't have customers, you've got a couple of options. is either you're, you're shutting down, you're furloughing, or you um, are developing your online uh, pickup business. And that caused a great deal of uh, variability in terms of the size and scale of Uh, whether it's a mom and pop restaurant to uh, the chains, Um, different organizations have got different capabilities to respond appropriately. And what we saw initially was a lot of people being furloughed and with with the people being furloughed, uh, they had an opportunity then to think about, well, what do I want to do when the uh, job market does open back up. And so when um, uh, restaurants um, said, okay, now we've got the mandate that we can open, we can have people back, let's bring the employees back. It was as if the employees had already moved on and they weren't willing to come back um, to what was uh, the norm. They were, uh, they'd were they taken time to spend time with the family to think about what I'm gonna do um, with my life, with my career, and what is my true earning potential? And so uh, with all of these questions, when the, when it did open up again, it's well, I'm not choosing that anymore. I'm, I'm gonna choose something different. So it started and was very visible with, um, the restaurant workers, because if you've been cooped up for a year and you think, oh great, I can get back to my normal, I'm gonna to go to a restaurant, I'm gonna go out to events, et cetera. And then you see signs all over the place that, you know, sorry for the delay in service, or you're seeing um, uh, job ads, uh, it's very visible, but Microsoft also conducted a survey. So it's not just restaurant staff, the, the people who are visible when we finish work and we go and walk, looking for entertainment. Microsoft did a, a survey of 31,000 uh, people, uh, professionals, and nearly half of them were looking at um, or being open to getting a new job uh, this year or by the end of this year. So it's not just the visible; it's the uh, I- invisible, invisible. I'm, I'm sorry, professionals inside of these large organisations who are not the only ones who are reconsidering what else is there.
1: Well, and I think you know, obviously, the the global pandemic played a factor in everybody's lives. It turned Absolutely. everything else upside down. Whether yes. it was simply the conveniences of being able to do, especially in this country, what we've always wanted to do right. through the entertainment and restaurants, as you talked about. Mm-hmm. But it also changed the perspective of man. I can actually, for those professionals, mm-hmm. as you d- as you discussed, mm-hmm. uh, those the, those nearly fifty percent of people who are now reconsidering things. Yep. It changed the way in which they were able to continue to work, make a living uh, because they had everybody in their own household. So the kids were at home Mm -hmm. uh, doing school online and they were able to function uh, at least considerably uh, normalized, Uh, maybe different. It wasn't in a physical building anymore, but we were able to continue commerce as it were in Mm -hmm. in many of these areas. What do you think has led people to say, you know what, I'm open to doing something different or working Mm. for a different organization uh, to respond that way in that world of, well, the pandemic didn't hurt them Mm -hmm. financially like Mm -hmm. it did those Mm -hmm. in the hospitality industry, but it did impact their mindset around the work.
0: Absolutely. So. The, the two sides of the coin from working from home was that flexibility, my commute is great, right? Mm-hmm. I get to see more of my family. All of those are positives and that's what people have taken to heart. The other side of the coin was that people didn't feel that they could take a break because their work, not every house has a, a separate office where you can close the door and you know leave it at the end of the day. And so what was happening is people were actually Um, spending longer at work. They were jumping on the computer, checking in uh, over the weekend. And because of some structural changes inside of lots of organizations as to, okay, we're trying to still serve our clients, but we're also trying to adapt to economic and uh, pandemic uh, conditions. It also uh, gave an opportunity for employers to give their employees more responsibility. So I've got the freedom of when I work, I work from home, great. See my family, fantastic. But I'm working longer. My work life balance is uh, blurring and I've got more responsibility without necessarily um, more compensation for that additional uh, responsibility.
1: So really, what this has done for many people, whether it's the visible that you talked about or right. these invisible numbers mm. that were that we sometimes see of the people we're not seeing, mm-hmm. is it really f- snapped people uh, in general into what's most? What do mm. I value most? You yeah. know, oftentimes we talk about work and we think about it from a purely compensation standpoint. Well, yeah. if I can make more money, that's going to be great, and that's what's mm-hmm. going to make me happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we're finding in this uh, in this time is that while well, Compensation is still important and it right. needs to be. Yep. It's not the primary driver for many people in right. deciding to resign their positions. So what are the things that you've heard uh, uh, that are precipitating this mood shift in in the way that people are thinking about um, beyond the compensation and more compensation how are they then balancing the fact that if they're working from home which means they are working more hours i think all of us who have done that mm-hmm. have felt and experienced that mm-hmm. so if it's not the well i'd like to have more if i if they pay me more i'll i'll, I'll be able to to mm-hmm. make accommodate for a little bit more the the responsibility i have mm-hmm. what are some of the other things that are that people are saying hey wait a minute i i want something else to change in my world in right. order for me to find uh, the, the enjoyment in work again.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and so fundamentally, um, what really is the price of happiness, right? Uh, because I certainly know whether I'm happy and I, I personally know of multimillionaires who are not happy. So there's a disconnect then between uh, I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, I'm underappreciated, I'm not treated respectfully, but I get paid a bunch of cash right well the cash is not gonna fix it and so um, how people are being treated um, and the opportunities that uh, an organization can lay in front of um, an employee to keep them engaged and to keep them motivated I think is key Um, one of the um, Things that differentiates a we'll call it a destination employer is not necessarily they are paying the highest because as soon as somebody else pays a buck more, then you'd think that well are they now the uh, the destination employer? It, it, it's not that. It's it's many little things done well. It's. Uh, Do I feel that the work is challenging? Do I feel that I'm growing? Do I feel that I'm appreciated and respected? Do I feel that um, I'm communicated with in a respectful and uh, and truthful way? And is what I'm doing, is it making a difference? Because as soon as you start to Uh, disconnect any of those variables then you allow the thoughts to come in of well, what else is there and uh, you know before we jumped on uh, today's um, podcast you were mentioning uh, what we're seeing on social media is that people are far more open to share their uh, discontent but there's also people who are saying this is what my employer did for me and here's an, a tangible example of somebody who is being treated in a way that we wish we'd all be treated, and the people are saying, "Why can't I have that?"
1: Yeah, I was gonna. You know, that's a. It's a great point on the 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 proliferation <laughs> of social media, and it mm-hmm. has impacted all of our lives, mm-hmm. good, bad, and indifferent. I think depending upon people's viewpoint, you yeah, can right. look at it very differently, but. Mm-hmm. What is, that fun- what is social media done for just the landscape of employer brand and employee brand for themselves mm. uh, in context of kind of this great resignation that we're talking about, but mm-hmm. in general, what has that done for the work uh, of finding new work or highlighting organizational cultures?
0: Right, it has given the megaphone to highlighting those organizational cultures. Whether a culture is good, bad or indifferent, um, social media has allowed people to voice and allow, give them the platform to reach a large audience with their good, bad, or indifferent experience. Whether it's customer service, where I'm externally um, engaging with an organization, or whether it's internally, and this is how I'm being uh, treated, either well yeah. uh, or not so well. Um, one of the... Uh, Interesting things is social media is designed to be addictive. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to watch The Social Dilemma. It's um, a Netflix documentary. Yeah. And it, it just talks about how uh, social media is designed to be an addictive. And none of the platforms are creating content. It's me, you, and anybody else who's got a, a social media account who are generating the content. And since we spend so much time at work, it then makes sense that if things are not going well at work or something's gone really well at work, it's such a significant part of my life, I'm willing to share it. And I can't remember who said it, but there was a famous quote about how reputations can be built over years and ruined in seconds. And so uh, I think that we're living in that age now where it's just a lot easier to ruin a reputation for an organization than it was ever before in history.
1: Yeah, I think that's certainly the case. And, I, and, you know, I, I know as a as a person who has hired uh, many, many people over my career, mm-hmm. uh, there's always a desire in some hiring managers minds to seek out what people are doing online and yeah. this balance between what's personal and what's professional, <laughs> and right. what do I read into those types of things? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it goes both ways though, right? Mm-hmm. So if employers are able to do that, I think employees are saying, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. If that I'm gonna be judged by that based on whether I get a promotion, a raise, or a new job. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna turn the tables on, on that a little bit and make sure that mm-hmm. we are highlighting those things as well And you see that a lot in the service industry, right? We're seeing that consistently, Mm -hmm. whether it's an unruly passenger on an airplane, Mm -hmm. whether it's a disrespected employee Mm -hmm. in a restaurant or whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. um, that voice is being added onto. And unfortunately, when one comes, then it opens the 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 floodgates for other experiences for people to be saying, yeah, I experienced that the same way. Right. And you're not as much hearing that. Well, wait a minute, that was an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. I think so. Talk a little bit about from an employer's perspective, when all of this this um, reevaluation on a positive side, but mm-hmm. also the discontent that people are feeling. What can employers do that can can uh, help to to maybe uh, mitigate some of the the resignation flurry that might be occurring uh, across industries what are what are some things that employers can do?
0: Right. Um, I think the first thing they can do is to recognize that there's a potential problem. even though a company an organization might say, well I haven't had anybody resigning uh, recently. Um, that doesn't necessarily say that you're, all, is well, uh, all is well in the garden. I mean, there's always opportunities um, to, to be proactive and to take an approach. So for example, we've been talking about remote working or back on premise or, so, or some hybrid. If an organization hasn't yet made a formal announcement, then give people options because if an announcement hasn't been made yet, that leaves an opportunity for people to guess what is coming down the, down the pipe. And if they get a sense of whatever it is, um, you know, some people do want to go back, some people, you know, vehemently don't, and, you know, some people are in between. But if you give people options, Once you have an option, you feel that you're empowered because now the power rests with me. I've been presented with one, two or three options. I feel that I have choice. It's when I don't feel that I have choice. That's when I feel that I'm this square peg in a round hole and I need to find uh, another home. Next thing to recognize is going back to the pre-pandemic normal. Don't rush to do that because there was, this dissatisfaction with how people are treated, how they're compensated, uh, etc., isn't just something that's happened in, this, in the last uh, 16 months. It's been brewing for years. And so um, when it comes to uh, making changes, communicate with your employees that going back to perhaps a new normal, because if, what I, if I wasn't enjoying th- uh, my job in, uh, in 2019 and I had to do, you know, make some personal adjustments as, uh, as, as COVID hit, then don't tell me that we're going back to 2019 where I don't enjoy because that is then going to um, further uh, a potential exodus. So leadership should look at what are the lessons that we learned over the, um, over the last 16 to 18 months. And start to integrate, giving people the options uh, for how they work. Also look at, do we have a program where people can make lateral moves inside of the organization so that they don't have to Um, leave in order to fulfill. Because as soon as you start to have turnover, you're incur, it's expensive, first of all, uh, anywhere from half a year's salary to two years salary to uh, replace somebody. So is there a mechanism inside of the organization where we encourage people to find the right seat on the bus? They're already on the bus but are they in the right seat? And one of the ways to do it is don't just allow the employee to come up and ask, but actually start presenting employees with options. You know, for example, John, you've been here X number of years. We see these strengths. Here are some other options. Would you be interested in considering? Now, you may not be interested in these options. However, what it shows is that we've been paying attention to your contribution, we'd like to recognize it, and we'd like to give you options to enhancing and building out your career, and therefore your contribution and value to the organization.
1: So from Mm. an employer standpoint, it's really about building trust and loyalty but it's a reciprocal trust and loyalty not just well you should be loyal to us because we've given you an opportunity right. but really we are loyal to you because you were you ha- are an important part of who we are as an organization right um, so for those industries like the entertainment I- venues and the hospitality spaces and restaurants mm-hmm. where there might not be as many options as they as, as other places in other industries, mm-hmm. what are some ways that they can still create options or in, in, or allow for mm-hmm. the employees to be heard about some of the challenges they're facing or what can they do to change the experience that some of these folks who are not wanting to go back into that industry mm-hmm. um, or to, to attract people who may not have ever considered those industries before?
0: Right. So, in the, ind- in the restaurant industry, I think it's a great opportunity for employers to recognize the customers of 2019 are not the customers of 2021. All of the stresses that we've, we've been talking about, etc. cetera, it's manifesting itself with people playing out when they're in public. I mean, you mentioned uh, people on a flight uh, being rambunctious or people in restaurants going over the top because perhaps you know a certain number of fries weren't uh, heated up to the, the, their, their liking, you know, whatever it is, just to help them, uh, the, those people who are on the front line, that they've got their own deal going on. And then when they encounter Joe Public coming in and engaging with them in a way that is neither polite, professional, or courteous is how are we providing support to them both, both as a business to recognise that sometimes we perhaps should um, give people time out, and so if somebody has dealt with a, a real just to allow some more staff uh, rotation uh, around to give to give people that break, and to um, And I think empathetic listening. I mean, all of the issues tend to get bucketed in, how was I communicated with and treated with? And it's a rare individual that says, well, I'm leaving this company because um, they were polite, they were professional, they were courteous, they communicated with me often, frequently and truthfully. I'm not leaving for those reasons I'm leaving for the opposite reasons that those things weren't present, so we all have a job to do, but it's how we support each other and how leadership l- truly leads and shows that um, I'm recognizing what you're going through and I'm making a co- we we are making accommodations in our business to recognize this new normal
1: I think that's a it's a great point, <clears throat> and I think it also brings up this. Uh, you know, the front and center has been kind of the employee well-being, and mm-hmm. it encompasses a lot of different factors, mm-hmm. including fair compensation and wages for the right. work that's being done, sure. uh, the the environment that people are working in, whether yeah. that's remote or not. Yeah. Um, but I think just the, the intentionality of employers to say, what can we do different to ensure mm-hmm. that people... Uh, are having their needs met from a well-being standpoint, because right. it is true that when people are feeling good about themselves and the environment that, that they're in, mm-hmm. uh, that they will give more of themselves to whatever Absolutely. cause that they are uh, yeah. a part of. So what are some things that you have heard or seen employers taking uh, advantage of a, a reset, if you will, in those areas to provide more opportunities for well-being and uh, in in organizations.
0: The first thing that uh, comes to mind, a couple of recent examples, as soon as last week, I was talking to two hiring managers, and independently, the first thing that they said when they're looking to bring people in is they're not looking at the resume. The first thing that they're doing is. Let me just Google their name, which means that all of the social media platforms, etc., that uh, that person participates in, act, is active with. They can see what this person is about, what they believe, um, their communication style, uh, perhaps behaviours, etc. Um, so, just as um, employers are doing a, a search on um, impl- potential employees. Potential employees are also equally looking at Glassdoor and you know how the organisation is uh, also behaving. So everyone's googling uh, <laughs> uh, everyone else. Um, I think the biggest um, uh, ch- uh, tangible change is the uh, openness to supporting the technology at home, because when you go when you go to work, when you have that commute. All of your IT, uh, you know, there's uh, an IT support desk uh, that was all geared to um, your workspace, your office, your cube, etc. And now over the last 16 months, we've all become audiovisual uh, technicians <laughs> in our own home. And sometimes the infrastructure inside of our own homes wasn't at a uh, professional Um, work level and so there's been that that upgrade and so what I've seen is first and foremost organizations being far more open to provide that support and the technology Um, the second thing that I've seen is not just the technology but um, um, payments and allowances for the fact you're using your home now as an office and so instead of um, You're sat at uh, your kitchen table with perhaps not an ergonomic chair, that people are getting support for chairs and lighting, uh, et cetera, that just makes it more comfortable uh, for them. Um, The third thing that uh, I'm seeing is that um, there's been guidance given around. When we are on site, when we're in the office, how are we engaging with people who are uh, off site? And so, are we making sure that the the microphones, the screens, etc. So it feels very inclusive, and so that there isn't, um, or you're looking to minimise. I'm not in the office, I don't see John every day. So are people who are seeing John in the corridor, you know, are they getting more of his time or attention? So how, how are companies looking to bring people in and being very mindful that um, you have a staff even though you don't necessarily see them every day?
1: Well, I think that brings up the the other big piece for Organizations who've had to pivot quickly on this, mm-hmm. with everybody working remotely, right. um, is the manager. You know, mm-hmm, oftentimes mm-hmm. we talk about the individual contributors right. and how are they, how are they mm-hmm. feeling about the organization. Right. But we forget sometimes that managers are now having to learn to manage differently,
0: Absolutely. on the
1: fly. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, they are remote too. They are not in an office somewhere uh, with all those supports that you just talked about. So they not only have to care for themselves, but they have to care for a team Mm -hmm. um, and doing so in a way that is not as easy to just walk down the hallway, Mm -hmm. pop into somebody's office or go to the cubicle areas or whatever it is. They have to be more mindful of how they are communicating with their teams Mm -hmm. and bringing individuals and teams together. Mm -hmm. So what are some things you've heard about managers uh, as you've been and talking to hiring managers around
0: mm-hmm. some of the
1: things they've had to learn to adapt to and try different to do management differently.
0: Uh, to be proactive with their check-ins. There's, an, there's a saying, out of sight, out of mind. And so if people haven't had, um, you know, over a course of a week, interactions, don't let somebody go for longer than a week without checking in with them and reminding them of um, their contributions, because you should, I don't think personally, it's a, uh, if you've got a team, that your team should be guessing how they're doing. Uh, now, if you've got that a, a style or a pro leadership style, a lot easier to do in the team meeting, or as you say, as you're passing people on the corridor, the water cooler, going out for lunch, etc. And so without that informal mechanism in place, how do we put a more formal mechanism in place for people who we're not seeing on a regular basis? And so any uh, C-suite team shouldn't be assuming that their managers are adapting because there's a grace period when there's a lot of turmoil that I get it, I'm figuring it out working at home and I get it that you as my manager are also figuring out how am I going to manage the team? But that grace period is gonna be coming to an end and while I've been working here for a year, how long is it gonna take for you to figure it out? Because I sure as heck feel that I'm contributing and more productive than um, I have been. So as we're expecting the technology to improve, to support people, then also are these soft skills for managers. Do we have a trajectory, a budget, and somebody's responsible for delivering that training? Because what what we tend to measure, what we tend to talk about, what we tend to recognize tends to get done. And if we're doing neither of those three things, have no assumption that it is actually being done.
1: Well, and I think it goes back to if people are leaving an organization, it isn't because their managers or Mm -hmm. the organization itself are Mm over-communicating and treating people with respect and and giving them flexibility, right? right? Right. And so if people are walking out the door, just like you had mentioned uh, a minute ago, which I wholeheartedly agree, uh, my goal is always to make sure that anybody on my team Mm -hmm. knows where they stand. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be surprised if they walk in and put a hand in a resignation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That shouldn't surprise me. And if it it tells me I haven't done my job uh, very well. So I think it is we are in this together. And I think uh, it is creating that inclusiveness and making sure Mm -hmm. that people have a voice. So Mm -hmm. what would you like to see different? How can we accommodate accommodate different things? But then as an employer, it's I need your help in solving some of this as well, because you Mm -hmm. are on the front lines. You are doing the work. And how can we best solve these things it shouldn't just be on the c-suite or the management team to solve problems for people or the organization Mm -hmm. but we are collectively in this together and i think if nothing else we should have learned that Mm -hmm. uh during Mm -hmm. this time when all of us had to to navigate all parts of the uh, of our lives uh, together more so than isolation i think that's the one danger that we all have and that we've learned in the, in the pandemic is isolation is dangerous. Right. We've known it before this but we all and and the the proliferation of social media sometimes makes us feel like we're connected but really all it does mm. is create more and more isolation because right. We are only viewing a, a snapshot of people's lives, and let's face it: very few people put the bad stuff on social media. They're they're mm. hyping uh, the mm-hmm. the great things in life, uh, mm-hmm. and so I think that's the one message that we that I hope people hear in all right. of this is yep. that if there is a true great resignation that is occurring and has been happening, right. uh, there is a, a big. A big solution to that is Mm -hmm. bring everybody together and whether that's virtually or not, Mm -hmm. but to ensure that that people know they're not alone and and that there are options for them. Mm -hmm. I think of well-being and the mental health piece for people and just again that check-in does wonders but mm-hmm. also uh, making sure they know the resources of organizations that are there to help and to right. solve some of those things with them as mm-hmm. opposed to for them or on their own right. um, uh, are, are things that would be helpful so as we kind of wrap this up what are some things that that you some takeaways that you would want both employees who are who are potentially looking for a new opportunity mm-hmm. and then employers who are either trying to to find new people with all of the what did you say earlier in our conversation before we came on? Nine million uh, open positions yep. across the country, something of that nature. Um, so there's a lot of people uh, out there work, looking for work, but there's also that many more jobs out there than, than people looking. So what are some things both on the employee side that, that they could be looking uh, at doing for themselves to enhance their brand? Right. And then what can employers do uh, as sort of takeaways uh, to enhance their brand and bring uh, the right people into their organization?
0: Sure. Thank you for calling out that we are all in this together. And I had lent heavily on the employer and on the C-suite. This is how to communicate. But in fairness... There is no C-suite or manager that is a mind reader. And so all of the polite, professional, courteous, open and frequent communication up the food chain is also uh, important because again, people can't guess what you need. Um, So I mentioned earlier that um, we're all essentially the CEO of our services. And so as the CEO, take responsibility for sharing that, I do need a break. I I would like some different responsibilities, not simply more of the same responsibilities. And that frequent converse, that frequent interaction that I'm encouraging managers to have with their employees, if you're not getting it as an employee, then seek it out. we, we meet in the middle when we both take a step in the same direction <laughs> <laughs> towards each other, uh, right? Um, if you are, as a, an employee, looking for uh, a, a new position, as you mentioned, the uh, Department of Labor said there are 9.4 million jobs um, currently on, unfilled, and so there is a time to perhaps make a, a change in your career, now's the time to do it. But the number one complaint I hear from recruiters and headhunters are where are all of the good people? And the answer to that is all of the really good people are doing exactly what they need to be doing for their organizations, delivering quality, um, doing the best to support their organizations. What they're not doing is updating their LinkedIn profile and resume in order to reflect who they are. And so if you are looking to make a change, just make sure that your profile um, and, and your resume appropriately states your value. And base it upon the things that you enjoy doing versus the things that you can do. Because uh, if you're essentially doing the same thing that's not fulfilling you in one organisation. Doing exactly the same things in another organisation is probably not going to significantly change your happiness level. And every year we like to think that we've become more skilled and talented because of experiences that uh, that we have. And so as we've got this bottom left to uh, upper right uh, trajectory uh, of our skills, we tend to acquire skills that. We just enjoy doing it, I love doing this, I've got a passion for it, I'm excited by it. And then we've got other skills that we just don't enjoy, even though we can do it just about better than anybody else. And so as you create your resume and profile, focus on the things that you enjoy doing. Because the resume and profile won't get you the job, outperforming the competition in the interview process will. And so if somebody says to you, hey, John, why are you applying for a job right now? Or why are you looking for a job? Or why are you interested in this job? You're legitimately able to say, great question, Graham. Everything this position offers, I enjoy doing. Let me give you some examples. It's a very forward-looking. It looks like you're running towards the opportunity versus running away from your current situation. Uh, just, a, just a different mindset.
1: I think that's a great point because it is true that, Oftentimes, people will think, if I just change my environment, mm-hmm. my life will be better. My, I will enjoy my work more. Yeah. And we don't stop and think, man, just because I'm good at this doesn't mean I actually enjoy doing it. And I think what right. we're seeing a lot of people mm-hmm. who are leaving their job with mm-hmm. nothing else in mind right. is they, they've hit that point of saying, enough I, yeah. i'm not going to do this anymore just right. because i can yeah and they are taking the risk of starting their own business or mm-hmm. trying something brand new that they've never tried before right which means either taking a lower pay or moving or all these things mm-hmm. and i think it is a great point i, I you know i Oftentimes I can think, well, yeah, I've over over a twenty five year career I've accumulated a lot of things that I can do well. Mm-hmm. But I talk to to my team all the time about the fact that if we don't play in our sweet spot, mm-hmm. if we don't spend eighty percent of our time mm-hmm. doing the things we love and are passionate about, right And all of us aren't doing that. We're not going to be an exceptional team because just because I can do it doesn't mean I should be doing it Right. uh, because there are other people likely around me, if I look, Mm -hmm. that can do those things that I actually don't want to do Right. and they are passionate about it. So it's fitting those things in. So I think that's a great point for people to to be mindful of is Mm -hmm. really step back and say, is it the environment, the manager, the people that I'm with that are really causing me a dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. or is it really the work I'm doing? Because at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, I can... I can switch uh, companies Mm -hmm. but if if it really is at the root I'm disenfranchised because of the work I'm tired of doing Mm -hmm. that's not going to change right at least not in the long term right so yeah
0: and the number of conversations I've had over the last 12 months people who have been in careers for 20 plus years I spoke to a CFO and he said Graham I don't like finance I don't want to sick of it (laughs) (laughs) so well look Okay, so that's quite clear cut. (laughs) What are some of the things that you've encountered through your career that you have enjoyed? Let's just start talking about those. Because what we've got to remember um, is, it's not the most qualified person who gets the job, it's not the hardest worker, not the most experienced, nor is it the most educated. The people who get the job are the ones who have done the best job of marketing themselves through the hiring process. And I know this is true because if, if you've ever met somebody who you thought to yourself, how on earth did they get this job? That's your answer. Right. Its they just marketed themselves. And when you're marketing yourselves based upon the things that you enjoy, that's going to come through in your tone, in your body language, in, in, in your in your enthusiasm. Because companies, anytime they interview somebody, they feel that, okay, they've got the right skills for the job but who gets the job is who do we feel is the right fit for the position and for, for the uh, for the company. And when somebody brings that energy and that passion that you just spoke to, then it's usually those that uh, then get brought in for the uh, opportunity.
1: Yeah, the interesting thing, I, I think you made a comment earlier, which I thought was, was fantastic, and it actually resonated with me because I have – over the last probably ten years or so, mm-hmm. spent less and less time actually looking at a resume. Uh, I've uh, the last three or four hires I've made, I've never actually even looked at their resume. Mm-hmm. I just have a conversation with them because yeah. that tells me all I need to know. Yep. Um, and and so again, not to to downplay the their your LinkedIn profile or your resume, you do need those things, but. Mm if you're trying to regurgitate all of that on on a piece of paper or on a social media platform, uh, and you neglect to uh, understand and refine how you approach uh, that interview, I think it is important because Mm -hmm. I can speak from a hiring manager's perspective, I don't hire the piece of paper. I hire the person, and, and I want to hear from them mm-hmm. what makes them tick, what gets mm-hmm. them excited, and what frustrates them. Because we just had an interview with a person last week, and we, uh, you know, myself and a, a partner of mine, yeah. were really pounding uh, hard at, well, this is who we are. So, yeah. if the, if, if, what are the things that irritate you? And if, and two or three things that they said, we said, listen, we're just going to be straight up with you that's who we are sometimes. So you're going to get frustrated by that. Don't select something like this if that's going to be what's going to drive you up a tree every day because... That's who we are, and I think that's something that that I would suggest to employers too is make sure you know who you are—not who you want to be every day, but who you are as an organization. Because those are the things that are going to either make people really excited about being there every day, Mm -hmm. even if they're challenges, or Mm -hmm. that are going to disenfranchise them immediately because it doesn't hit who they are. And I think that uh, so it is
0: interesting that you mentioned the resume. The people who track. And study how long recruiters and hiring managers actually spend looking at a resume. In twenty twenty, they said the average time was seven point six four seconds. And so the point is, when a document is really important to somebody, when did they ever spend less than ten seconds actually looking at it? And we we'd like to think that. Um, recruiters and hiring managers want the reputation of bringing in really good people really quickly. That's a fair assumption, right? And so looking at resumes isn't how they're actually doing it. And so if you are looking for a position, a recruiter who's got the job description in front of them believes they know exactly what the hiring manager is looking for because it's there in black and white. As soon as that recruiter uploads that position inside of LinkedIn's Talent Solutions, LinkedIn automatically gives them a list of everyone who's already checked the boxes. And so, when a, when we're all faced with choice, whether it's a, when buying a new car, looking for a new house, dating, uh, searching for something we start doing we start scrolling so the point is if a recruiter can't find you on linkedin because you're buried on page 30 they'll never get to page 30 because they've already got who they feel are their shortlist from the first two pages secondly if a recruiter doesn't like what they see on your profile they'll never ask you for a copy of your resume in order for you to then try and change their mind
1: Yeah, I think those are great points, and I think it is really, really important for people to recognize that's how, you know, networking has always been a part of Mm -hmm. the ethos of hiring, Mm -hmm. but it has become more and more prevalent because... It is about the person. It always mm-hmm. has been, but it mm-hmm. becomes highlighted now mm-hmm. when we talk about the things that people like or dislike yeah. uh, and, and what motivates them and doesn't motivate them. Right. Uh, and that shows up in profiles, whether it's mm-hmm. social media on LinkedIn for a professional network mm-hmm. or Facebook or anything mm-hmm. else, quite frankly, on Twitter and, and, and right. short, b- short bursts. Mm-hmm. What you're focused on, just like the marketing agencies that are looking for consumer trends, Right. The same thing happens in the employer land as well. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, if you've got something that's out on social media or can be found uh, via a Google search, then have every expectation that that is going to be part of the employer's decision-making process, which is also exactly true for the employer when they're looking at better business bureau recommendations, glass door, and uh, what the company is or, in some cases, is not saying about what's going on in their industry,
1: right absolutely well graham i really do appreciate the the conversation today it's been fantastic i hope that uh, as people are out in transition and we Mm -hmm. know that they are that they will look you up on linkedin uh, connect with you and your organization and and uh, hopefully you can have as much success with them as you have uh, with our folks who have been transitioning as well uh, as we always appreciate that
0: thank you very much john appreciate it thank Thank you you. thanks for listening to learn more visit fcpservices.com Until next time, remember, people drive growth.